I imagine all of you don't feel the same way I do about this, but I am so glad that songwriters today are taking uh, the old standards of the faith and rewriting them in ways that a new generation is attracted to. And, and so thankful. Actually, we had a couple songs like that today. Facing, facing a, a Task Unfinished kind of fits in that category too. And There's just something about the old songs that we sang that communicate truths that are hard to forget, aren't they? And uh, I promised you long ago that I would never again sing during a sermon, which is why I've asked Diane to stay here. Um, I was thinking, let's sing This Little Light of Mine. Can you lead us in This Little Light of Mine? You can, you can pick the verses. I need to see your lights. I can't do this alone. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Won't let Satan it out. I'm going to let it shine. Won't let Satan it out. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Thank you, Diane. Thank you. Awesome. I saw a few of you with lights out there, and I saw one of you with an actual light. Thank you, Alex, for that. That was, that was perfect, the, uh, the cell phone light there. Got to keep that battery charged so our light doesn't go out. <laughs> All right, just a little fun. What do you think? Did it work? Thanks, thanks for your honesty, Beth. Appreciate it. Okay, so it actually reminds me of a story I read earlier this week. And as I read the story, I thought, you know, I really just think we ought to, we ought to sing that song. But the story is about two orphaned brothers, two young boys living on their own, no parents. They live in a, a slum part of New York City. And the younger of the two brothers is uh, uh, handicapped. He's, he's a, you know, we might use the word uh, crippled. He, he really can't, he's not ambulatory, he can't get around. And so he spends most of his day in the bed. Uh, occasionally, maybe his, his uh, older brother can help him move to a chair where he can sit up for a while, but, but really just not able to get around. And, and uh, the older brother does everything for the younger brother. He, uh, he, he, he works and brings him food. Uh, he, he does the best to make sure that, that he has the, the medical needs taken care of that he has. Uh, you know, he makes sure he gets clean clothes and, and really just does a good job of taking care of his younger brother. But as you can imagine, if the sum of your life was lay in bed most of the day and occasionally move to a chair and then eventually move back to a bed, it's pretty hard to, uh, uh, to endure an existence like that. And so one day, uh, in kind of, a, kind of a bad mood, kind of an off day, the, the younger brother is lamenting that, that the only light he ever sees is the light that's in their dingy apartment. He never sees the sun. He forgets what it looks like. So his older brother, being the, uh, the compassionate brother that he is, thinks for a while and then, and then realizes that he can do something uh, to give his younger brother a, a treat. And so he throws on some of his, his clothes and he, he, he runs into their bathroom where their bathroom mirror has been broken for, uh, for some time and he grabs a, a piece of the mirror and, and darts out the door and, and, and runs downstairs into the streets of their, their little slum. 
and, uh, and counts up and over and finds the window that his brother is close to and, and uses the mirror to begin to redirect or, or magnify or reflect the sunlight into the apartment or into the room so his brother can see it. As, and as he's doing this, uh, a passerby, assuming maybe he's causing trouble or being mischievous, starts to uh, scold him. And, and uh, the brother says, no, 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 you don't understand. My, 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 my brother is upstairs and he's crippled and, and, he, and, and he, he, he never gets to see the sun. And, 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 and so this is the only sunlight that he'll get to see today. And I just want to make sure that he sees the light. And I, don't, I don't know if it's a true story or not. I, I, I read it online this week. Uh, but I think it illustrates a, a key truth that Jesus would have us understand, and that's, that's that in a sense, we're all like this older brother. And uh, we all have those around us who won't see the light they need to see unless we take it upon ourselves to shine it into their lives. Actually, Jesus is pretty explicit about this lesson in Matthew chapter 5. If you want to take a minute and uh, find that in your text, in your scripture, or if you forgot to bring your Bible today, we do also have it printed on the note sheet. Matthew chapter 5 is in uh, what we've called the Sermon on the Mount. It's the first main block of teaching that we encounter as we work through the Gospels, the story of Jesus' life. And, and in the Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is going to spend a, a couple moments talking about this reality that there's a sense in which we are like the older brother in this story, reflecting light that others need to see. Matthew chapter 5, I'm going to read verses 14 through 16. If you have a writing utensil handy, I would encourage you to grab it. I'm going to read it through once, then we're going to come back and I'm going to have you uh, interact with the text a little bit. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. Jesus writes, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father who is in heaven. There's quite a bit of talk about light in just these short three verses. Uh, hopefully you have a writing utensil. I want to highlight a, a few of the, the words that Jesus uses here to talk about light. He actually uh, uses some kind of light word a number of times. Uh, the first time is right there in verse 14. It says, you are the Light. So go ahead and just circle that word. Circle that word light. You are the light of the world. This is a, this is a Greek word, phos. I think you can see it on the screen. It doesn't matter what the Greek word is, but, but the idea is it always represents some kind of source of light, whether it's a, a, you know, an authentic source of light or um, a natural source or a man-made source. Or, or, but it's, it's something that gives off, that is a source of light. He says, you are the light of the world. And then he comes back again and he uses this same word in verse 16. He says, in the same way, let your light, just circle that in your text. Let your light shine before men. This is, the, uh, again, the source of light. In 15, he says, neither do people light, underline that light. Obviously, we get it in English. We've got light as a noun in verse 14, and we've got light as a verb in verse 15. This, this Greek word means to kindle or, or to set something on fire. So neither do people light a lamp. Put a square around lamp, because this also is a light word. This is also about light. It's actually the, the Greek word luknos, and, and it means lamp. 
Um, so pretty good translation here. And then one more word while we're, while we're doing this. In the same way, he says, let your light, we've already circled that light. He says, let your light shine. Um, so go ahead and, and with both lamp and shine. Oh, I skipped one, didn't I? It says, and it gives light to everyone in the house. That's actually the word that um, we're looking at here in verse 16, which is lampo, which means to shine. Okay, sorry, I got a little off track there. So un- double underline both shine in verse 16 and light, the second light in verse 15. So Jesus has quite a lot to say here about light. And he uses several different words and, and some different imagery to communicate to us that there's something that we have and there's something that we are to be that is supposed to make a difference in the world around us. And presumably, if we're light, then our light is needed because the world around us is not light. And there's something about what we have and who we are that other people need to see. Now, the Bible scholars in the room are, are already going, now, now, hold on a second, Pastor. Uh, uh, isn't this like Scripture like conflicting with itself? Or was like Jesus conflicting with itself? Because I was pretty sure that somewhere in the Bible, Jesus said that he was the light of the world. But here you're saying he's telling us that we are the light of the world. It can't be both, can it? Well, you know what? Um, you're right. Jesus did say, I am the light of the world. Actually, look at this passage from John chapter 9. John chapter 9, verse 5, he says, I am the light of the world. So yeah, you were right on. He, he does say that. This, this uh, uh, light is a symbol that John uses throughout his gospel. Of course, we're in Matthew today, but, but John says 16 times in his gospel, he uses uh, one of the words for light. And 11 of those he specifically says is about Jesus, like where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. As a matter of fact, in John's gospel, there's seven different times where John records Jesus saying what we call an I am statement, where Jesus makes a statement, a metaphorical statement, like, I am the light of the world. You probably remember some of the others. He says, uh, um, I am the bread of life. You remember that one? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. When, 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 uh, when uh, Martha and Mary are grieving the death of their brother Lazarus, before Jesus is raised him from the dead, we don't know that's coming, when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He says, I am the, I am the true vine, and I am the gate or the door to the, the sheepfold. And he says, I am the, the good shepherd. He's got these seven I am statements throughout John, and one of them is, I am the light of the world. So, so clearly, Jesus does have a sense that he is the light of the world. But I want you to notice something, and, and this is unique. None of the other I am statements are like this one, I am the light of the world. Because notice what Jesus says in John 9, 5. The first part of that is, while I am in the world, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He doesn't say that about being the bread of life about being the true vine, the resurrection, the life, the way, the truth, and the life. There's no conditional clause on it. But here, Jesus says, as long as I am here on earth, I am the light of the world. And I think we can understand, based on what Jesus said in Matthew, but when I leave the world, you, followers of Christ, are the light of the world. 
Jesus says, I am the light of the world while I am here, but when I leave, I'm going to pass the torch to you and I'm going to expect you to become the light of the world. Okay, that makes sense. We get that, right? We get the notion of passing the torch. We watch the Olympics every two years. Yeah, we get it. We understand it. And uh, if you've ever heard a sermon or a Bible study on the light of the world, you no doubt have seen the, the teacher or the pastor take what we know from science with our Western minds and begin to apply it to these verses from Matthew chapter 5. And, and, and we do know quite a bit of, uh, about light from science. We know about particles and waves and wave-particle duality. And we know about the electromagnetic spectrum. And, and we know about shadow and reflection and refraction and prisms and momentum. And, and we know about all these things and so many more that physicists and science have taught us about light. And so we come to a passage like this. You are the light of the world. And uh, we ask a question that makes sense to us. Well, if I'm the light of the world, am I producing the light? Or am I reflecting the light? Or to say it another way, am I the sun or stars? Or am I the moon? Like, what is, what is this all about? And we bring our Western mind to this and we ask this question. And, and uh, the original you know, Jesus, the, the Jew who spoke this and the Jews that heard him, if they heard us ask that question, well, am I producing or reflecting the light? They would just look at us and go, yeah, both. You see, Jesus teaches here that, that I am to be producing the light. I am the light of the world. Jesus says, you are the light of the world and you need to be producing light. Let me just walk you back through these verses and, and show you where Jesus makes it clear that we are to be producing light. Right here at the beginning of verse 14, your text says what? Right at the beginning of 14, just shout it out. I don't know, Pastor, I'm asleep already. Me too. You are the light of the world, it says. You are the light of the world. Clear enough in English. Even more clear in Greek, because what Matthew does here is he writes this down, is he, he uses the, pron the second person pronoun you two times. And so if we were to translate it literally, we might say, hey, y'all, you are the light of the world. But, but he uses the, the pronoun twice to emphasize the reality that Jesus expects that we are the light of the world. He's no longer here. We get the responsibility now to be the light of the world. Notice verse 15. He says, neither do people light a lamp. So, uh, so he uses a, a metaphor here about a lamp. Let me, let's just put this picture up. This is a typical Palestinian lamp. You, you kind of get this. You've seen things like this before, yeah? Kind of maybe like Aladdin and his genie lamp, only this doesn't hold a genie. Um, so you get how it works, right? In the big, uh, the big reservoir here, the big hole is where we put the oil that we're going to burn. And then in the small hole is where we put the, the wick, which isn't a wick like we think of, but some kind of fibrous material that would contain the... This makes it clear that the, in his metaphor, we are one of these lamps. We are producing light. We are to be giving light to those around us. And then in verse 16, 
He says, in the same way, let, what's your next word? Let your light shine. Okay, so there's, there's like, he's, Jesus, I think, is making it clear, Matthew, the way he writes it down is making it clear that Jesus is telling us that we are to be producing light. And we're going to come back to that in a few minutes. Um, but the other, the other part of the equation is also true. Not only am I to be producing light, but I'm to be reflecting light. Again, go back to verse 14. In the second half, he, he uses a metaphor about a city or a town built where? What's that all about? Well, I mean, it could be about several things, but let's look at a picture of a Palestinian town. It's not a very big picture, not a very high-quality picture, but can you see buildings? And what color are they? Any idea why those buildings are white? Yes, whatever you said, it sounds good. It's probably because they're made from limestone, and limestone tends to be white, and it reflects light beautifully. So Jesus says, when he talks about being a city on a hill, there's several things that he's talking about here, but one of them is this notion that you are to be a group of people who reflects the light of the sun or the light of of the moon. People are to see you because of the light that's bouncing off of you. And, And again, in verse 15, he reiterates this sense of reflection. He says, neither do people light a lamp, we've got that, and put it under a bowl. No. Instead, they do what with it? Yeah, they put it on a, on a stand. So it gives light to everyone in the house. Now, this is the, a picture of an inside of what might be a typical Palestinian house. Um, I don't know how well you can see it, but off to the left, kind of above the little bed area, do you see that there? There's a little niche in the wall, and there's actually a a light in that wall. There's a couple on the right side that are more of deeper cubbies, but on the left, a a little niche. And and, and this was pretty typical for a a one-room Palestinian home. Built into the wall would be just a small area that would serve to reflect the light of a candle or a lamp throughout the house. Or if they didn't have this, certainly they would have some kind of elevated table or platform where they could put the light kind of in the middle of the room. The idea is that in a dark space, it only takes a little bit of light, and so everyone in the house at nighttime would get the light that they needed. But, but the image here is one of reflection. That you're not only to be producing light, but also to be reflecting light. Okay, but all this producing and reflecting stuff aside... Jesus' point isn't necessarily the source of the light. The point that Jesus is trying to drive home here is that we live in a dark world. And there's a sense in which, in which we've been appointed to do something about that. We've been appointed to be the light. For some people, the only light that they'll ever see. Because we're followers of Christ, the light of the world, we've been given light. And it's our responsibility to shine it. So the question becomes, as we read through these verses, what what exactly does that 
mean? So I think to make sure that we're tracking with him, Jesus specifically tells us what he means by this. He says, let your light shine, verse 16, let your light shine before men so that they may see your your good deeds. Jesus gives us the key to this whole metaphor. Good works are my light. The good deeds I do, the good works, the compassion, the kindness that I show to others in the world because I love God and because I love others, those are my good deeds. Those are my, that, that is my light. Our light is when we're in a restaurant and we pray together before the food, before we eat it or before it comes. And then after the meal, we leave a very gracious tip for the server. Our good deeds, our light, is when we um, provide a meal or clothes or a dehumidifier or, or other things that people who have just been flooded can use. Or when we roll up our sleeves and we actually help them recover from their flooding. Our good deeds are when we um, try to learn Spanish so that we can communicate to our Hispanic brothers and sisters in our, in our community that we value them, that they matter, that, they have the, that they've been created in the image of God as we have. Our light is when we sit with friends, with the, the children of friends, so that our friends can go to that important appointment where they can't have the kids. We shine our light when we take extra shifts at work and we, we work longer because our coworkers are grieving the death of a, a fellow coworker and, and we just want to pitch in and help. We, we, just, we just want to make it easier for them to grieve. We shine our light when we help provide meals to those who have recently come through surgery or been hospitalized or faced another life trauma that, uh, that just kind of leaves them on their heels. We, we, we are light when we invite a family between homes to live with us until they sign on their new home. We shine our light when we pay a struggling landscaper more than his work is really worth because we just want to help him get back on his feet. We shine our light when we get up and take our tray, our lunch tray, and go sit with that guy or that girl who's sitting alone. And, and, and let me step back from that one for a minute because some of you heard that as a political statement. That is not a political statement. I understand what's happening in the news, and I understand that for some people the antidote to gun control is not being bullies and being kind to people, but this isn't about that. This is a, this is a Christian statement. This is a theological statement. We shine our light when we care for those, when we sit with those, when we give attention to those who no one else is giving attention to. And this statement, teenagers, listen to me, this statement about getting up and going across the cafeteria and sitting with someone who has no one sitting with them is one that hits this pastor very closely. Because when I was a freshman at Elkhart Central, it was two guys from Beulah Missionary Church, nonetheless, who saw me sitting alone at lunch and came over, brought their whole table with them, and sat down with me and befriended me. And it was those two guys who, until I was a junior and they had graduated, who made sure that I never ate alone, that if I had free time, that I never did it alone. And like all of the other examples that I just gave of what it means to shine a light, that came from people from our church. And it only takes sometimes a little light 
to change the trajectory of someone's life. Jesus says, you are the light of the world, so let your light shine. Do good works. Show compassion and kindness and and help and go out of your way to help other people so that they can see what you're doing. But I want you to catch that this isn't some kind of um, humanitarian philosophy that Jesus is teaching here. It's not be the light because we all have the light in us. Jesus says, followers of me, followers of Jesus Christ, when you shine your light, when you show compassion, you do good works, the idea is that other people will see it and their attention will be turned not to where the light is coming from, not to you, but to your Father who is in heaven. So do good works in such a way that people will see it and God will get the glory. Allow them to see not your good work. The hope is that not that they'll see your good work, that they'll experience that, but that they'll see that the Holy Spirit is working in you to shine through you so that God gets the glory, so that they know that there's a God who loves them, so that they know that, that, that God is doing something in my life and changing me, and he can do the same thing in your life. So Jesus says, you are the light of the world. So do your good works. Let your light shine. Not for your glory. Not so people think that you're all right. But so that people understand that there's something greater happening in you. There's someone greater to whom your life is connected. And they can also experience that. So that they see your good deeds and they glorify your Father in heaven. So what do we do with this? Like if if I am the light of the world and I'm supposed to do good deeds so that others see God, how do I do that? Where do I shine my light? Let's talk about three places from these verses where I think Jesus instructs us or, or points us to shine our light. First of all, we shine our light. I shine my light in my private life. I shine my light in my private life, at which some point some of you are going, I don't quite get it. I think he's missing the point. I think Jesus gives a nod to this when he uses the metaphor of lamps. Okay, we already, I showed the picture of a lamp. We already kind of talked about lamps. But lamps work because there's something flammable inside them. Yes? I mean, you could put water in a lamp, but is it going to give off light? <laughs> no. Um, so you've got to put something flammable inside of the lamp. And you've got to light the wick, something to contain the fire. And so... I, I think before we shine light anywhere else, we have to figure out what does light mean for my private life? Or to say it another way, how do I fill my lamp so that I can shine light? How do I get the light in me so that it can come out? Uh, You've got to fill your lamp with something. Three things I think we we need to be filling our lamp with. And and I don't pretend that this is new. For some of you, you're going to go, duh, that's okay. As Peter said in 1 Peter, my goal is to remind you of the things to which you ought to be living. Okay, so three things to put in our lamps in our, in our private time. First of all, prayer. We've got to be spending time in prayer. How can we have any sense of God's voice or God's leadership or where we should shine our light, shine our light if we haven't talked to God about our life? 
And so we've got to be spending private time in prayer. And of course, the, the thing with prayer is, is many of us are good at bringing our list to God, our list of concerns and needs. And, and, and heaven knows that list seems to get longer and longer. There's so many things in our lives and our world that need God's attention and God's strength and healing and compassion and, and all of that. The challenge is that too many times, at least I do, maybe not you, I, I bring my list and I stop there. But if prayer is communication, that requires a two-way focus. And so as we think about prayer and filling our lamp, we don't fill our lamp by just telling God everything that we need or asking him to meet our concerns. We fill our lamp by listening to the voice of our Father, to the Holy Spirit. And um, we need both intentional prayer times where we set aside time with our list to pray and then time to listen. And we also need um, what Paul refers to in 1 Thessalonians where he says, pray without ceasing the sense of ongoing connection with our Heavenly Father. Whether it's uh, you know, reciting scripture back to, back to our Father, whether it's taking time in the parking lot to breathe in, and breathe out and listen for the Holy Spirit. But when it comes to prayer, we've got to do more than just talking. We've got to listen. We, uh, we fill our lamps with prayer. We fill our, our lamps with Scripture, with the Bible. Earlier on Facebook this week, I, I, I posted this. You're probably not going to be able to read it. I'll read it to you. It says, regardless of how much you like the sentiment, please be careful with pieces, devotional books, that claim to speak for Jesus, but don't actually use his words, the Bible, as more than passing references. If we're going to shine a light, we've got to fill our lamps with the Bible. And, and the challenge for some of us is we use devotionals that really only cite Scripture. They take a verse or a part of a verse, and then they tell a, a neat story, and then we're done. I suppose taking any time to reflect on God is taking better than taking no time to reflect on God. But, but as, a, as a fellow traveler, can I encourage you, if you're going to use a devotional, make sure that it's one that starts with Scripture, that ends with Scripture, and in between the starting and ending is filled with Scripture. It doesn't matter what it's called. It's not Jesus calling you if it doesn't cite Jesus' words. We've got to fill our lamps with the Bible. Um, maybe for your devotionals, you devotional time, you find a devotional that is, is all about Scripture, not just has a, a neat name. Or, or maybe instead you, you say, you know what, I've got the Holy Spirit living in me, and, and that's the same Holy Spirit that inspired this Bible. And, and so maybe I'm just going to start, and I'm going to read through the Gospel of John, and, and I'm going to read, I don't know, five verses, six verses. I'm going to read to the next paragraph break, or the next heading, or the next chapter. And then I'm just going to sit quietly and, and ask the Holy Spirit what from that he would have me to learn, to do, to change about myself. You do understand, right, that like when pastors do our devotions, we don't have like these great pastoral thoughts. Like we've done it in staff meeting before, and, and Ashley's here, and she would attest to this, where I've said, okay, um, today, uh, uh, Ashley, why don't you lead us in devotions? Just tell us what you did for your devotions this morning. And, and we've, all been, we've all been in this chair, not just Ashley, yes? And we're like, uh, well, um, to be honest, um, 
I read Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16, and, and, uh, and I just think, like, I probably need to do some more good works. And we're all going like, well, duh. That's not profound. It doesn't have to be profound. Read Scripture and let the Holy Spirit apply it to your lives. Prayer, Bible, and worship is the third thing here. The, the Scripture constantly encourages us to sing praises to God. And I know some of you are going, but I can't sing like Diane. Like, trust me, if I sing as, if I, if I sing as part of my filling my lamp time, it's a whole different kind of fire. You just don't want that, Pastor. I know. I'm the same way. Ask my family. They uh, turn all the radios in the, in the house up when I'm in the shower singing um, because they don't want to hear me. But you know what? Scripture doesn't say make an in-tune noise. It says make a joyful noise. And so spend time singing or, or creating or do something to, to connect with God on more of an emotional level, not just a logical thought level. We shine the light in our private life. And so I have a question there on your notes that, that I would just encourage you to do something with. What am I going to do this week to fill my lamp with oil? What's one thing that I can do this week to fill my lamp with oil? Jesus says you are the light of the world and start shining in your private life. Fill your lamp with oil. I believe he also wants us to shine it in our personal life. In our personal life. You notice in verse 15 as he uses metaphors, he talks about a lamp. And he talks about the lamp giving light to the entire house. Beloved, before we can shine our light anywhere else, it has to shine in our home. And so what does that mean for your home? What does it mean for you to shine a light in your home? Men, what does this mean in our homes that, uh, that, that, that we need to do to, to shine our light? I mean, everybody's home is different. Some of, some of us live alone. Some of us with only a spouse. Some have kids at home. It's going to mean something different for each of you. But, uh, but men, if you don't live alone, I would encourage you, the first thing it means for you is that you have to figure out how to help your family fill their lamp with oil. And men, your wives are looking to you, your children are looking to you to be the spiritual leaders of your family. And so start there. Uh, a family devotion which again sounds overwhelming, but it's really not. And it doesn't have to be profound. And, and, and I'll just share with you how I stepped in it this week. So we, uh, we typically, when we do family devotions after dinner time. We eat and we laugh together and then, then we do family devotions. And sometimes the kids will get their devotion book and read it to us and we'll talk about it and pray together. Uh, but this time I said, I'm going to do devotions. And, and so I, I, I got out my phone and I opened up my YouVersion app and it was April 5th. And so I thought, I haven't really prepared anything, but that's okay. I know this, this little Proverbs trick. There's 31 Proverbs in a month. And so if you just figure out the date, you could just go to that proverb and read it, and that could be your devotions for the day. So it was April 5th, so I went to Proverbs 5. And some of you are already turning there. Um, I'll just tell you what Proverbs 5 is. It's all about the adulterous woman. And, and avoiding the adulterous woman and how her, you know, her throat leads to, leads to the grave, and she's, she's tempting and seducting. And, and <laughs> I'm going, oh my goodness, I should have looked this up before I decided that this was devotions tonight. Uh, nonetheless, it was interesting as we went around the table and each child shared something, uh, not just child, but parent too, shared something from that proverb that, that we thought we could apply to our lives. Okay, but it was fun. The kids are never going to forget it. Men, shine a light in your home and start with helping your family to fill their lamp. Women, I'm not a woman. Um, I'll let you figure that out. 
Um, you could come up with ideas. I have ideas if you want to hear them, but they're probably not worth the breath it would take to speak them. Children, you too get to shine a light in your home. And I have some ideas here. And since my children are sitting here, do you mind if I share them with you? Get along with your siblings, please. <laughs> We're not the only parents. Oh, here, let's, let's, see if, let's see if it gets better on this one. Do your chores without being told. Oh, I got a woo on that, not an amen. Oh. Say what? Yes, Kendall, your mom wants me to tell you to do your chores without being told. Anybody else? Parents, you got a message you want me to? Okay, all right, we're having fun. We love you. Um, but seriously, children, you can shine a light too. And uh, you can write a note to your parents and thank them for all the hard work, all the things they do that you'll, you'll never see and you won't maybe understand until your parents. But we can all shine a light. It starts in our private life. It goes to our personal life and our home. And then finally, Jesus says, I believe we need to shine light in my public life. Shine a light in my public life. You'll notice again in verse 14, we come back to this metaphor about a city on a hill. I think there's several reasons he talks about a city. We've talked about the reflecting. Um, I think he's giving us a cue that, that we shine our light in public. We fill it in private and we practice it in our personal life, in our home, and we shine our light brightest in the public where it is the darkest. We're surrounded by people who need light. And so where in your life is the surrounding the darkest? For many of us, it's going to be at work, though not for all of us. Ashley and I are pretty sure that it's not very dark where we work. Um, but for most of us at work, is some of the darkest hours in our day. And so shine your light there. Work hard. Work harder than everyone else in the plant or in the office. Come in early and, and leave late just to communicate that I'm here to do a job. I'm here to, to shine a light and to do what needs to be done. Go out of your way to help coworkers. Own up to your mistakes. Just say, you know what, that was mine. I stepped in it. I'm sorry. I'll make it right. I'll fix it. Whatever it takes, I'm going to deal with it. Um, your neighborhood is a, another place where there's probably people who need the light. Just last night, as um, my, my daughters and I were, were playing a board game, uh, my son was out in the backyard, uh, kind of running between some of the neighbor's yards, with uh, playing with uh, one boy in our neighborhood who's a little odd. Wonderful young kid, but just different. Has some, has some diagnosable, some diagnosed, excuse me, you know, things that he struggles with. And he just is hard to get along with. But I was so proud of my son because here he is playing with this guy who gets on his nerves. But what about us adults? What are we doing in our neighborhood to, to reach out to the people that don't see light anyway? anywhere else? Or, or uh, what about in the locker room or at the bowling alley? Um, the way we respond to smutty humor? Do we join in when other people start to badmouth others or, or talk about their, their spouse? What about on social media? My heart breaks when I see fellow Christians dropping F-bombs, on social media, bad-mouthing a politician. And I get caught up in this too, you know, complaining about an experience in a restaurant. Friends, if social media is a place to vent 
or not being a light. Jesus says, be a light in public. But the reason Jesus talks about a city on a hill isn't just to remind us to reflect the light and to do it in public, but it's a visual that the light shines best through us when we do it together. When we, when we hold hands and tag team and partner up, not just as Beulah people, but as Christians, as fellow Christians, when, we, when we're intentional about shining the light together, that's when the light is best seen. And that's one of the reasons that, that in the month of April, our Missions and Outreach Board is challenging us to do a random act of kindness. You, we've been doing these each one reach one challenges, and, and you guys have been stepping up to the plate and hitting some, some solid grounders, and it's awesome. For April, the challenge is just do a random act of kindness. Pay for the car behind you when you go through the Starbucks line. Um, you know, buy a, buy a gift card at, at the grocery store and leave it with the cashier and say, someone who comes through today and you feel like they could use some help, just use this. Or, you know, rake your neighbor's leaves that they didn't rake before the snow came and they don't have to know it was you. Just do a random act of kindness. We, when we work together in our community, that's when the light shines best. So what is one thing that you can do in public this week to let your light shine? Doesn't have to be intimidating, just a good work. I'm going to close by telling you a story about Lainey. Lainey and her family were having a, a horrible run of bad luck. Absolutely horrendous. Uh, it was 2015, so not too long ago, and, and on this particular day, they didn't need anything else to go wrong. It was, it was at that point, and, and uh, that's when the uh, interior fabric on the, in their car like fell down. Anybody ever been there? Uh, it, just, it just started hanging. It looked like a, you know, like a pregnant car top or whatever, and uh, they were just so frustrated, um, but um, Lainey's husband decided she was gonna, he was going to figure out how to fix it. And so he went online and he found some people on the internet who were just sure that you could fix this with thumbtacks. And so trying to make the best out of a desperate situation, um, Lainey's husband and their daughter, Leela, um, raided Leela's thumbtack collection. So they had like these pink sparkly and purple sparkly and you know, red and yellow thumbtacks. And, they, then, and, and, and Leela and her dad went out to the car and, and they started putting thumbtacks into the roof to hold up the interior fabric. And, and sure enough, the thumbtacks would stick and, and they were able to get it all up. And, and he's sitting there looking at it going, oh, this looks so dumb. And this is the car I drive to work. But Layla is sitting in the seat looking up. Wow, Dad, they look like stars. It's so cool. And he's just going, they don't look like stars. And uh, not too long after that, he's uh, sitting in, in the Costco parking lot where he worked, um, stocking the coolers, trying to figure out how his life can get any worse. Not wanting to know, but but realizing that's just the spiral it seems to be on. He says it wasn't too long after that that his uh, wife asked him to go to church with her. And it was a Sunday evening, and he'd spent most of the day watching football and drinking. Um, nonetheless, he decided he'd go to church with her. So he's a little buzzed when he walked into church. But when he walked in, he experienced the light of the world in a way that he wasn't prepared for. Beloved, you are the light of the world. We are the light of the world. May people look at you and say, 
He can't walk on water. He can't turn into wine. But I think he knows one who did. I mean, people see your good deeds and say, she's not the light of the world, but I bet she knows who is. Will you stand as we pray together? Heavenly Father, we thank you for these challenges from your word, for this, this, uh, this charge from Jesus that we are to be the light of the world. Father, I pray that you'd help us all to, to take that seriously, not just to, uh, to skim over these verses and move on, but, uh, but to be serious about how we shine our light. Would you help us to fill our light, fill our lamp with what will produce the light you want? Would you help us to, to be light in our homes and to practice what it looks like there? And then would you help us to shine our light in public where uh, people in the dark need light and are just waiting for someone to surprise them, to care about them, to help them. And Father, we ask this not for our glory, not so people think of us, but so that people think of you and realize that there is a God in heaven who loves them and who can set the course of their life in a different direction. Thank you, Father, for your indwelling spirit to help us as we strive to be the light of the world. Amen. I'd like to bless you. Uh, when I'm done, if you could say and also to you, and that way we'll bless one another. May you know the light of the world. May you be the light of the world. And may the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit give you peace. Amen. You're loved. Go with grace.